Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, good to see you. You as well, man. Uh, it's just a wild life we live, man. We get to We get to do this thing that's so much fun. It's so exciting to be constantly challenged and like just to be reminded that we get to do it every week and to show up and bring it to people and then to get to have conversations about it because they listen to it. It's a gift, man. Totally agree. And speaking of being able to do it every week and uh, people listening, if you're out there listening, we have a giveaway today because our guest offered to send a book to one of our listeners what we need you to do is go to either our Apple or Spotify, write a review, or send us an email um, about what, what was your takeaway? What did you learn? How are you going to apply it? We'll put everybody who responds into a drawing and we'll get you a, a copy of the book. The book is Puke and Rally, Dr. Rob Bell, sports psychologist, author, ultra marathoner. Good dude. Absolutely. And, and the subtitle, I love it. It's not about the setback. It's about the comeback. Really what we're talking about is this, we're going to puke all over ourselves in life. Eventually we're going to have a moment where we are vulnerable. We're scared. We're frustrated. We're disappointed. We've done something or something hasn't gone the way we want it to. And I love that. Essentially the message is that doesn't really matter because it doesn't matter unless you learn from it. Right. I mean, if you learn from it, now you get, now you get an opportunity to grow. And, uh, the, the value in the conversation was just is powerful. Cause there's, there's things in here that it's like, the more you chew on it, the better it gets too. And I, I've felt that way about a lot of our guests, obviously, but, um, this was, this was pretty good. Agreed. And, and today we actually intentionally took a day between recording the interview and, and our conversation now and, and our takeaways because, because of that, I think that was a challenge to us was he talks about letting our mind marinate on the positive information that we're intake. And I think that's so valuable for, for all of us to think about is like, we're taking in information all the time. How often do we let it marinate and just be with it and, and see, and I, th I think both of us agree that it was helpful for us to be able to think about it and let it marinate and then come back to it and revisit it. Because I know I spent the last 24 hours thinking about stuff that I might not have had we just gone right into it. But I think what's true is that, you know, our personality types are very different too. Like I'm an off the cuff can spit all this stuff and you are not. And I think it's really valuable. You are, you need that time to chew on it, to think about it. And my wife is the same way. Like if we have a conversation, I'm probably not going to get the same information from her if I need it right now. If I did, if I waited a day and asked the same question because, or two days or however long it is it to us after having that conversation about, should we just let it sink in for a little bit? I think we both realize it would be really good for you. And I, again, this is a challenge to the listener is to say, what are you like? What do you need? What works for you? Listen to the podcast, sit with it for a little bit, and then engage in a conversation with somebody else about it. Um, you know, if you're somebody that needs to talk about it right away, 
text somebody, call somebody, find out like, Hey, I heard this thing. That's a little bit me. I get that. Right. Um, but I agree with you that it has been beneficial for my process also to be, to know that this conversation was coming. Cause now I'm thinking about it over the course of the last 24 hours. Awesome. Good stuff in here today. You will be better for listening. Rob Bell. Here we go. Now joined by Dr. Rob Bell. Rob, thanks for joining us on the Eyes Up Mindset podcast today. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure, man. Look forward to it. So tell us a little bit about what you're up to these days um, and how you describe yourself, because I think you could take that a lot of different directions, whether that's you know your personal endeavors or your professional. So who is Rob Bell these days? No, oh, it's a deep question, man. It's a good one. <laughs> Man, I'd say the biggest, uh, you know, we, we talk about like the process is more important than the product, right? I mean, we hear this all the time. And I think when we're referring to the process is more important than the product, I think what we're thinking about is like, you know, the people we meet along the way and like these little wins that we get. Um, and then that all kind of then makes sense. And, and I've got a, a point to this, but we never talk about the process being more important than the product when the process sucks, right? The process is difficult, like really struggling. So the process for me right now has been training for like a hundred miler and the process has just been awful. Um, usually like when training for these races, yeah, there's going to be some bad runs, stuff like that, kind of scratch it off. Well, that's just part of the process, but every long run has been horrible, man. It's been followed by, you know, the book. And it's like, I don't want my life to be about the book puking rally, but that's the way it's been for training, man. So it's really been a tough time. And, um, and the reason why I bring that up is because like the process, we got to be able to look back and say, man, what, what, am, what's important here that I need to learn about myself, my situation. And I think that's the part that's tough because when life or sports or work is going okay, when I would say like when work's going okay or my performance is going okay, life just, works out right it just happens i mean all athletes man if athletes man if your sport's good life just works out it's when we remove that like an injured athlete now you can't perform when well, now we have to rely on those other coping skills that well, we never really necessarily had to use because sports was just there and so that's been the biggest challenge man the 100 miler that's coming up and uh but you know, the gratitude and perspective I have in life, man, wife and kids are, are healthy and great. And um, so that's, that's where Rob Bell is right now. So what else are you leaning into to give you some quality takeaways when those moments are pretty hard? I, I know that, you know, like we do this a lot. And so we have some tools. You talk about gratitude, you talk about perspective. Those are hugely important tools to help you zoom out and pull away. What other things might you be doing when you get done with a really crappy long run and you're like, I got to get back on track. So this day, this thing doesn't ruin my day. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, since the family's like a big part of it and let's, I'll just give you an example. So, I mean, you know, 50 mile run turned into a 31 mile run because there was just, you know, a lot of puking and um, I just didn't really feel like walking another 20 miles. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't know if I really could have too, cause everything was kind of gone. It was super hot. And the perspective and gratitude came back to family, thanking them for being there with me, really appreciating the fact of, Hey man, they were there and they made that. And then we got to have the discussion. You know what I mean? Like, well, did daddy quit? Um, if this was the race, then no, you know, but it was a training session. It wasn't a testing session. 
and then ultimately, man, what do we get back to? I gotta, you gotta show up the next day. So it did not matter what the next day was going to be, how to show up and uh, put in another training session. Then I think that's then where the rally comes back into play. So I was getting back to um, examine my own life. Then how can I use my situation in order to help others? Cause what I've always discovered is like when I get stuck inside my own head, simplest thing I can do, man, is focus my thoughts on somebody else and how I can help them. And then it kind of gets me out of my own head. So it got back to the quote, the Winston Churchill quote, right? Success is moving from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. And when we can do that, boy, then, okay, well, yeah, man, it's great when success has happened, but from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And that's, that's what I got back to, man. So then it was getting back to being a product of the product and all the stuff I've been trying to teach myself that I've been teaching athletes along the way. So we, we've made reference to your book, Puke and Rally. You got it sitting on the shelf there behind you or whatever. Uh, Jamie and I both have our copies sitting here. I think you tell that story you, when you talk about your being grateful and going to your kids and having to have that conversation about, did you quit today? No, because it was a training, but yes, if it was the race, you tell a story in your book, that's kind of the, the opening, right? Is you're running this race and, and you puke and you're sick and you're at the end, you end up quitting and going back. I don't want to take it all away for those of you who want to go read it. But so how do you differentiate those two though? The, the training day versus the, the race day, yeah. And how do you say it's not a quit on the, on that training day? So this is what I've experienced is the closer that we get to a competition, then we're putting ourselves already in that competition. So let's say we're, we're a week out from a golf tournament or example, right. Or a couple of days out from baseball uh, or two weeks out from a race. If we're a week out from a golf tournament, even a couple of days, and I'm hitting the ball like crap. Automatically my mind goes to, I can't be hitting it like crap here in two days. I got to tee it up and be ready. Well, what the problem is with that type of thinking is that there's no leeway to experiment or make mistakes. The leash is so tight and then it's just adding more stress to us. So what we're saying is, is that if the race was today, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be successful. If the game was today or if my match was today. And that's the problem because that's flawed thinking. It's not today. You have to be ready Thursday when the tournament starts you have to be ready when you're towing the mound when the game is not today and so it's the difference between testing yourself and training yourself it's a very very small difference but if we test ourselves all the time and I'm not saying like you don't test yourself right I don't want us to come away from it and be like well you never test yourself no you test yourself but it's like training mentality means that you're allowed to make mistakes. You're allowed to evaluate. You're allowed to look at it and say, man, where's, where are the gaps where do I need to get better at testing? It means I've got to be ready right now. And the flawed thinking on that is it's not right now it's, it's coming up and that's when you need to be ready. So that's the way that I've always kind of got back to that. And then it allows myself. And I think allows all of us the room to, um, you know, fail and get the feedback. Yeah. I, I took something from your book, actually, this, this weekend, I was working with a, a cross country camp and we were talking about three types of thinking, right? Be a connector, create connections consistently, be a scientist, right? This create loosely held hypothesis about a hypothesis about what might happen. And then I'm going to go and test it and experiment and see what works and what didn't, this was good for me. This wasn't. And then ultimately we have this mindset of being a winner, right? Which is kind of from the secretariat example in your book. Also, it's like, okay, so some part of us as a teammate needs to be a connector, right? 
as a trainer, we need to be scientists where we're willing to experiment and fail and hold on to these ideas really lightly. And then ultimately, when we come to that testing ground, like you're talking about, we got to have that winner's mindset where we're going to go and attack this thing as if we can, we're just used to winning. Winning is a habit, right? I was watching the Allison Felix qualify for the Olympics. And as the thing starts, the announcer says winning is a habit. And as she's as good as it gets at that thing. So yeah, I, like you being able to provide those examples and create that distinction, I think is hugely important for us as athletes, us as coaches to say, no, there is a difference in practice. We want to be scientists. We want to experiment. We want to fail. We want to learn what doesn't work and get rid of it. We want to find out what does work and repeat it. But when it comes to that testing moment, like let's, let's differentiate between those two things. I think that's a really powerful tool. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that, man. I'm going to, I'm going to borrow that one too, buddy. I'll, I'll give you credit and, and share the royalties, but it's true, man. It's like Michael Phelps lost so many times in practice. Yeah. You know, and then how many times did he lose really in the Olympics though, right? It's, it's that same thing, man. It does, and that's the part that's important, right? So I think we have to have the ability to try out different things, be that scientific set scientist mindset and go ahead and lose in practice. Not like we want to lose, but it's going to happen, you know, because we're working on things to get better. To answer that other question too, man, it's like the test and mindset. When I, when I tow it up on race day, I'll be willing to die or um, rather than not finish. And I wasn't in that mentality for a training day. You know what I mean? But that, that'll be the race day mentality. Yeah. Love that. Sounds extreme. I lose followers about it, but that's what I think it takes. People, people think that's too extreme. Be willing to die. Look, man, if you know, it's, it's when you've lost everything that you're kind of free to do anything, right. That, that, um, a fight club mentality. And I think you have to be willing to lose. You have to be willing to fail. And if the only part on like doing a hundred mile race is not finishing, um, you've got to be able to face that and they got to drag you. They have to be able to drag you out. No matter what that passion is, is going to be in life, man. You have to be willing to uh, die rather than not make it. And when you do that, you remove all other options. There are no other options. There are no other plan Bs. I think the best plan B is another is a better plan A. And when you remove all that stuff, it really clears out that you've got fish or cut bait. And when it comes back to that, that's all we've got. Yeah, no, it's, it's the go all in mentality, right? You don't give yourself an out because if you give yourself an out, you're going to quit. You're going like, to take it every time. It, because that's how we're wired, right? Yeah. That's how we're wired. Yeah, I see it often, man, on, on some of the runs that I'll do, like it, especially on the big trails. After it's rained, the water just flows where it's going to flow. And we have that same mentality. Water is never coming up against a log wondering, how am I going to get around this log? How can I make it more difficult? It's the same thing with our mentality, man. We want to find the easiest possible way to get to where we want to go. We're never looking for the most difficult way. When we start to look for a difficult ways, how can I make this harder? That's how we get better. Sorry for the tangents, brother. We can go for no, hours, man. I love it though. Cause one of the things I wrote down as I was reading is it's easier to do nothing than it is to do something. Right. And, and I think that's so true of us is that our brains are hardwired for survival first, for safety, for security first. And if what we're doing right now means we're safe and secure, why would I change that? Right. right? Unless you are willing to say next, right. 
the next thing is why I would change it because the next challenge is going to be something I don't know or understand, or I'm not going to be successful with. And so the only way to be successful is to work towards the harder path in that process. And that really leads me to my next question is you, you talk about how failure and the setback, right? The puking creates isolation in our lives and that being just completely detrimental when we, when we choose the easy path, sometimes like we, we isolate ourselves because we've failed. And we say, I felt this failure and nobody's liking me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody wants me to be in, in this thing. Why do you think that's such a powerful reality when it comes to training, looking for our best, that, that isolation is, is just a killer. Yeah. I always say, you know, um, success has a thousand fathers. Failure is an orphan, right? How many people are going to like that Instagram post about somebody holding up the trophy, right? Everybody, how many people are texting that person after, you know, they failed saying, Hey man, don't worry about it. You know, keep your head up. Right. And that's, it just kind of creates this part that failure, even though we kind of talk about it, when we experience it, it really, really hurts. And what I think failure does is they say that cliche about fall down seven, get up eight, right? Awesome saying. What they never tell us, well, they never told me, was that when you fall down for that sixth time, you remember the first, second, and third time you fell down. So it sort of creeps in our head that maybe I'm not meant for success. Maybe that's part of my identity. Then we're way off the tracks in terms of our thinking because we're not made to fail, right? We're made to succeed, every single one of us, but failure is part of that process. So when we fail, when we just think about it in terms of lose confidence, when I lose confidence in myself, even I don't want to then tell somebody, well, what you need to do is this. Right. It's the last thing I'm going to do. If, if we're playing a pickup basketball game and I've missed three shots, everyone says it right. I don't feel I can tell somebody that they need to pick up on defense because I don't feel confidence in myself. So it's that kind of form of isolation and isolation is comfortable in our mind. We want to isolate. I don't want to keep putting myself out there to get ridiculed or uh, or even felt sympathy for. Right. And so the brain wants to isolate and it's very comfortable, man. What did we do all last year? How comfortable did we get in, in terms of our safe space inside of our own four walls gets a little bit uncomfortable, man. Well, now I got to drive 30 minutes to go meet somebody like really it's, it's even, so it's so many different levels in terms of that, but that's what the brain craves that isolation, but it's like junk food, man. It really tastes good at the beginning, but it's not going to give us that nourishment, man. We need that connection. We need that relationship. And that has to be built before we're kind of going on that journey. So how, how do you help people create those connections or build that skill to combat the isolation and that desire to go to that place when, when we do fail? I think, man, we just got to be active. Um, and I'm not saying I'm great at it, right? But I think we have to have that network of people that we, relationships grow deeper or they die. And if we don't keep in touch with people, if we're not following up with people, if we're not pinging them, sending them messages, seeing how we can get together, what is it that we can do? Even if it's in that, if we have that structure is kind of built, then how are we connecting with them on a deeper level? And it's it just takes, I think, active intention to build the, those connections and they're not all going to be great you know what i mean but at least that common thread is is built and then we know where the really strong ones are going to be so when we reach out to them 
they're going to, they're going to be there. Well, and I think we've talked about this before, Jamie, with other guests, but one, it's really hard to develop those as we continue to get older because you don't want to put yourself out there and that's, that's difficult. But the other part of it is, um, Oh boy. Now I just lost my whole train of thought. Here we go. As men. Well, as men. No, that wasn't it. All right. Just checking. (laughs) Nope. Totally gone. All right. Good man. You're getting a senior moment. (laughs) Like you're reaching a level because that happens to me all the time. Yeah. Oh no. I know what I was going to say now. There Um, it is. So it's harder for us because we don't want to put ourselves out there as often. Right. But I think also we have to be willing to say that connection is no longer serving me or them and and create other connections and continue to develop the connections, being intentional, reaching out to people, because I think so often we get locked into, this is our, this is our group. These are our connections. And then when it starts to go South or it doesn't serve us anymore, we have to be willing to say, Hey, I need to create more connection. Indeed, man. Indeed. And how deep and how deep we're willing to go with those. And I think the thing that stood out to me is that my natural instinct is isolate, right? I think that's why when I read that, I immediately underlined it, started and said like isolation becomes easier after we do it too. After we have those failures, like you said, we remember one, two, and three, remember four, five, and six and on trip eight, like it's just that much harder to step back up. So I remember when a friendship or relationship has failed. I remember when I put myself out there and they said, yeah, it doesn't work this weekend. And then I think it's about me or it's about something that I did that is creating that problem. And so then I just like, ah, I'll isolate. I'll read a book. I'll, I'll play guitar. I'll go and do a long run and feel better about myself because it's, you know, that's not necessarily junk food, but I hear what you're saying. And it resonates really deeply that this is, it's junk food to our souls in some ways, if we aren't willing to reach out and connect. And, and ultimately I think the theme in some way of the book is that connection builds confidence, right? That connection creates confidence in our, in ourselves you talk about how to do some of that. Why did you come to that place where you made this realization that when I'm connected, I am more confident in my person. So, and and I'm glad you brought that up. And, and, you know, junk food example too, you know, that I guess doesn't hold true and all that, but it's like, you know, in a, in a half Ironman that I had barely trained for, and in this race, and it was like when on no one gets there alone. It's, it's the reason why that book was whole written. Um, you know, the, the swim goes fine at mile 30 on the bike. I'm cresting the only hill in Indiana, the only hill in this race. And I get a flat tire and I had no, nothing to change it. Wouldn't know how to change it if I could. And I'm like a four-year-old kid straying on the side of the road, races are cresting the hill and they're taking off. And somebody stopped and changed my tire. And that moment, that hinge moment changed my life because I would never have even thought about stopping to help somebody. It's like you just do the best you can. But then once that happened, the question I asked myself is, would I have stopped? And it's a question that has to be answered before it's even asked, because if we see somebody on the side of the road, we don't have time to really think about that and process that. That's why you know, every week, man, what am I doing to improve the relationships or who do I need to connect with? Even if it's just a message, who do I need to connect with? And it's getting back to that intention. And then what I've discovered, it's just all the time, whenever I lose confidence in myself, I'm isolating. You know, if I go to that deep, dark place in my mind that I can go to, it's, it's, it's because I'm isolating. 
and, and then what I mean is it's like some people might take it, it's like, well, I've just got to be at the party or something like that. Sometimes that's the loneliest place to be, right? You can be the center of attention and feel lonely. And you just have to have that one person you're able to connect with on that deep level that you can, um, it, it's not like you need to solve their problems or you need them to solve their problems. You just got to get it out, right? We got we to be able to puke it out, man. What What is it that's really bothering me right now? I don't think it's going to work out. Um, I'm, I'm scared about the future. And when we get that, it's just the ability about having that connection with other people that that's why I think we were meant to be here for other people um, and, to, and for other people to be there for us. And that's, that's how I think the whole transition sort of came in terms of that awareness about how important the relationships and the people were. Is somebody stopping for me when I couldn't help myself? So you, you mentioned it, the concept, the, the hinge moment, and that's kind of a theme throughout your book, the hinge moment, whether you're working with athletes or corporate executives or you personally. Tell us a little bit about the hinge moment and kind of how you uh, discuss that with the people you're working with. Yeah, man. I think uh, every, so every door has a hinge. A door without a hinge is a wall. It just doesn't work. If we hear about doors opening and closing in life, it's because of the hinge. If you ever hear about a rusty door, it's not the door that's rusty at all. It's the hinge that's rusty. So what the hinge is in our lives, it's going to be that person, that moment or decision that makes all the difference in our lives. It connects who we are with who we're going to become. We just don't know when that's coming. We can't connect the dots in our life looking forward. We have no idea how this mystery is going to work out. We can only connect the dots looking backwards and seeing the impact of, wow, man, meeting Jamie at that moment, connecting me to that person made all the difference in my life. And the reason why the hinge is so important is because no matter how bleak our situation is, no matter how bad an outcome looks, it only takes one. It takes one golf tournament, one shot to turn an entire tournament around, one tournament to turn an entire career around right? Takes one catch of the ball. Um, and that's what we're always getting ready for. That's why we're trained. That's the real importance of mental toughness is we don't know when that moment's going to happen or who that person's going to be. But when our moment hits, it's too late to prepare. Like we have, have to be ready. And I think we're going to have multiple hinge moments in our life. And I, the part I know about hinge moments, and, and this is really difficult, but the tragedies that happen, they are immediate hinge moments, death of a loved one, cancer, um, you know, pandemics, right? How many times we refer to it pre-COVID, now post-COVID, because yeah. that was a hinge moment that everything now becomes different. And that's the part in terms of being able to focus on the stuff we can control it means we've got to be ready for those and we've got to be open for them. And, you know, we have no idea what it's going to look like. Same thing, back to the importance of connection. If we isolate, guaranteed hinge won't connect. But if we go out to that network and meeting, right, if we go out to that game, we have no idea where that's going to happen. And that's the part about keep putting ourselves out there and making ourselves available uh, for when, when they are going to happen. I believe no matter how bad things are, right, it's going to be that one person, that one call that we made to somebody made the difference in our life. Being the hinge for others, too, we plant trees that sometimes we're never going to see. We don't know the impact of telling somebody, you know, a quote or being able to tell them that we believe in them, but man, being the hinge for other people too, becomes what it's about. Well, and the hinge doesn't work without some sort of energy, right? You got to, somebody yeah. has to open the door. Somebody has to put some force into that thing 
to make it work. And so if you aren't, I love it where you said you got to do the work to connect with people. You have to reach out and do that thing because you're putting the energy into the hinge and it might open a door and it might not, but we can't know that in advance. And, and those people, I just, I look back, like you say, you're connect. I'm connecting the dots right now to those people that it was from this person. And that person made a huge impact in my life. And then therefore they led me because it was a habit of mine to look for people like that person to another person that was like that as well. And then they really poured in and did something special. And so it might not have been the first person at all, but it was just a, a type of something that you connected to and you wanted. And then it's, I think the same thing is true in our performance, whether, you know, whatever your sport is, I figured out this thing and then that unlocked the next thing. And, you know, it's that one moment. And unfortunately for a lot of people, that one moment can be the opposite sort of hinge also where it shuts the door and we get stuck back there. Do you have any advice for us as we, you know, the book is puke and rally. How do we rally when we feel stuck behind the door? It's a good one, man. And it's not easy, right? No, it's really not. not if it was easy, everybody would do it and everybody would rally. The part is, is what I've discovered. Well, scientist hat, right? And again, I like that, man. I'm going to borrow that one. So the scientist hat says, um, and what I've experienced is that if you talk to people's worst moment, their worst moment in their life, oftentimes, it became their best moment. You know, how can that even be possible that their worst moment becomes their best? Because if it wasn't for that failure, they wouldn't have hopped in the warm down the pool. They wouldn't have been started kicking on a kickboard next to this girl who then they started, who they just asked out on a date where if they won the gold medal, then that, that would never have happened. You know what I mean? So that, that was Mark Stockwell from, you know, 1984 Olympics. So the fact of, um, you know, there's going to be multiple hinge moments that we have to start with that belief that it is going to work out. I think that's, we have to start out with that belief that it is going to work out. We just don't know how it's going to work out. And that's the problem. That's what causes stress. The only proof that I have that it's going to work out is it has so far, yeah. right? It has so far. So when we operate then from that belief standpoint, and that's from the standpoint we're coming from, is that it is going to work out. Then it's morally getting back to, I don't know how all the pieces are going to connect, but what I control then gets back to my effort, my attitude, even though a failure is possible, it is going to happen. That's not going to be the end of the road. Well, it it connects back to you. Like I'd rather die than not finish. Right. Because I know that it's going to work in the, I know that this is going to work. And if it doesn't, that means it's over. And like, it was a pretty good journey on the way because I gave everything I had, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's the part, like this one came from uh, author Ash's strength coach, you know, Gil Reyes. And I always love this one, man. I ever mountain Vegas. I love just seeing him spend time with, he's one of those guys, you know, he just fills you up. And he said this such righteous quote, man, I borrow it all the time. He said, some battles aren't worth fighting. Even if you win, if I argue with my wife and I win the argument, win Mm -hmm. right i don't win the argument there but the real uh juice to that one was he said some battles are worth fighting even if you lose you see i've developed the mentality that and i don't think i've developed it man but i've borrowed it from people and i've seen it right you gotta want the shot 
you know, you got to be in the field, man. You got to be willing to take the shot, knowing that you look, you kind of miss, man, from time to time. But if you don't take the shot, you're just living a different kind of life, man. It's not going to happen for you. It's guaranteed not to happen for you if you stay on the sidelines. And if, but if you enter the competition, it can happen. And yeah, there's going to be pain along the way, man. But it's like only if you're in it, if you're willing to take the shot. And that's the part, at least for me, man, that, man, I was willing to take the shot knowing that there's going to be misses, but there's going to be makes along the way too. And that's, that's why we play the game. All right. I'm writing down all these quotes. So go ahead. Jim. Oh yeah, man. We can keep that going, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Some battles are worth fighting even if you lose. And that's the part I always get back to. And I think, I think we lose sight of that really is this idea that, and especially in the culture that we live in today, right. Is that we have to have these, mountaintop moments and and you talk about in the book that there's there's a tree line where nothing survives after a certain point you know above fourteen thousand feet it doesn't really matter because there's just not enough nutrient there's not enough survival stuff up there and so if we are trying to live on the mountaintop if we're trying to live on the peak if our instagram lives and our social media lives are perfect all the time you know it's not true because it can't be. That's just not how life works. And I, I have this thing, like if it's true in nature, it's probably true in my life, right? If it's out there and it was designed, it's probably true. And if that's real and we can't live on the mountaintop, if nothing can live on the mountaintop, like we shouldn't be trying to create that image that we're always on the top of the mountain either. And we have to be able to embrace the reality that failure is coming. It doesn't matter when it happens. We just have to be prepared for it. Yeah. And we always kind of get back to then what our baseline level is, right? Yeah. And that was the biggest struggle for me in my life, man. It's like, I wanted to live on that mountaintop. I'm going to live on that mountaintop. And it's not reality, man. You come back down, you know, you hold up the trophy, best feeling in the world. Okay. Now what? Mm-hmm. All right. What's next? And then you get back to your baseline man. and then the baseline, then it's always getting back to man. What's, what's the structure that we've built moving forward, you know, the relationships, the, the life that we've created. And, um, I love that quote, man. If it's true in nature, man, it's true in life. See, I'm going to borrow that one too. <laughs> we're just giving good stuff to each other right now. It's all good. Rob, what, obviously we're pointing people to your book. What, what's growing and challenging you these days? What's something that you've, you know, listen to, you read, what's something that you would recommend people out there also, in addition, obviously to the puke and rally and your podcast, the 15 minute. Man, your podcast, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hopefully people are already listening, but I appreciate that. And, um, it's, it's so difficult, man, because um, I, tr- I think here's how I can put it, man. I just think we have to marinate our minds with the positivity, with the people that we need to listen to. And we need to be able to take um, this, the good stuff that we can learn from everybody and be able to apply it to our lives. But we have to marinate our mind just doesn't work if we listen to one thing and that is great, man. That's, that's going to give us the juice for one day, man, for one workout. It's awesome. What's, what's really the fire is going to be like the logs that we set up, you know, in that structure. So, you know, you, you take notes. Are you journaling? Is that, stuff yeah, that man, you're doing? Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's being able to reflect and it's being able to write. And I always get back to, I just think the real power is always in the debrief. 
the debrief from coaching, the debrief from a success, the debrief from a failure, man. What's that debrief? What's that conversation look like? The part that challenges me the most is still being a dad and being able to have those tough conversations because the reality is, is that I learn more about myself from my kids than they do from me. So when my daughter, who we share the same exact birthday, man, from the same cloth, you know, and I hear her talking and, and getting negative, where'd she learn that? <laughs> Buddy, it's coming back right back at me, you know? And so yeah. then it's not like you got to go down my path, man. And, and I don't want you to go down that journey. It's, it's being able to have the conversation, you know, what's the conversation look like, man? What do we learn from this kind of example, you know, and, and the unconditional love that we have to have, um, that kids need being able to do it, you know, as a coach and all the time, man, it's just, it's just so powerful. You know, it's like, we learn more from, from the athletes that we coach than they do from us. And I just think there's no greater strength than having somebody 15 years later, man, come back and say, and you don't even remember what you said but they remember what they said. Remember how you made them feel. And they come back and they said, man, that made such a difference in my life. Boom. The life now has meaning to it just because of that. The more, more plants we seed, right? I mean, the more seeds we plant, man, the more that those trees are going to grow and, and provide shade for people. And we, we had a coach in college. We played college football together. It was like, you're going to give and you're going to give and you're going to give and you get way more back than you ever thought possible. And that's a weird paradigm in our world right now, but you're speaking to it right now. And I absolutely believe it's true. We're so grateful you were able to join us and give just unbelievable good juice. I'm glad we could steal from each other here a little bit and provide good things. Um, like you said, the book is puke and rally. It's out, get it wherever you can find it. Um, where, where else can we connect with you? Um, and our listeners continue yeah. to get well, good juice from Dr. Rob Bell, man. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on, man. If we need to do a, a a book for a listener. If you want to have one, man, just send me the address, whoever wins. Um, Puke and Rally Books, the website, uh, my website is drrobbell.com and, uh, you know, Instagram and Twitter, man, always active on those. So appreciate you having me on, man. Thanks again to Rob Bell for joining us. Dr. Rob Bell. I don't want anybody getting him confused with the other famous Rob Bell, who's an author and speaker. speaker so and pastor. Dr. Rob Bell, Jamie, what a dude, man. Uh, a ton of good stuff in there today. Absolutely. I, I landed on a few things as I am want to do. I can't focus my brain all the time, um, but it's, it's really good to have these conversations because it challenges me in, in numerous ways. And one that just stuck with me, it felt like a small part of our conversation was just like the powers in debrief, right? This idea of reflection and being able to say, you know, the, the name of the book is puke and rally. It's okay. So you have this moment where things don't go well. A lot of us just either dwell on it didn't go well. And we attach our identity to that, or we just move on and let it be a scar. And I think that debrief really, and that reflection is incredibly powerful for us to learn from it, right? To have that scientist mindset and say, I'm curious about this thing. I want to, it was just an experiment. It was just a test of my thought, my thinking and my, and my fortitude and my mindset and all these other things that it could have been a test of like, yeah. So we threw up all over ourselves. What next? Yeah. I think the other thing that really struck me was the, 
your one, it's the hinge moment, right? Yeah. And, and I think that that concept, we, we talk about that, like as a life changing concept a little bit in, in how he talked about, okay, he had this hinge moment in this race and it, it created all these thoughts, these feelings, emotions, whatever for him moving forward. I think about that too, in, in context of zooming in and zooming out, like it's so true of the zoom in too, as a golfer, right? How many times we talk about one shot is getting us back into this hole. You can hit three terrible shots, three pukes, you know, in his terms. And then the rally is one good shot. And so this hinge moment is, it's a big thing. It's a big life thing, but it's also an individual activity thing, whether you're talking about, again, business, athletics, your relationships, it doesn't matter. It's one thing that can change the course of, and your trajectory in that. And just to know that we're one person, one thought, one action away from potentially changing everything, man, that's life-giving for me. Well, and when you have this sense that it's going to work, right? Like he talked about, it's going to work out. So if that hinge moment, it's a, it's a bad one. Well, if it's going to work out for good in the end, because you have that trust, you have that confidence that the work that you do matters, right? I, I talk about that with teams all the time. The things that you do are actually important. So choosing to do nothing is still a choice, you know? And so if you believe in your decision-making, if you believe in your process, like stay in it, stay in the battle and know that it will work out for good in the end. And those hinge moments don't become life damaging they become life giving like you said we're one opportunity away from something big potentially changing the outcome all the way and i i you you talked about it being in the big moments it's also like you say in the little moments i think about communication with people how often do we just choose to do that little hinge thing that thing that put a little energy into the hinge and the door opens right because now we're we're having a real conversation and and sometimes you don't even have I mean, you talked about it in the interview, but, and you talked about it as some action toward that. But I was just telling you before we hit record here, I just had a conversation with a guy I met at a concert. I had no concept that I was going to go there and talk about work. Right. And all of a sudden I meet, he bumps into me. We have a conversation because I have my hat on and now we have coffee and he turns out, you know, it's, it's someone that is good for me to connect with in the community. And in the past, there yeah. would have been times for me where I wouldn't have been ready for that. I wouldn't have been open to that experience, that occurrence happening. And, and I don't know, I think it's part of it's because of our conversations that we have. Part of it is work over time, getting myself to the point where I am open to those instead of isolating, right? Shutting down and saying, nope, this is what I'm doing right now but really this whole thing's all interconnected. But that's what Dr. Rob Bell said also, right? Is when you are, you're constantly preparing for those moments, right? And that would be my challenge to the listeners today is like, what are you doing today to prepare for that opportunity when it shows up? Cause it's going to show up, right? It's, and it's not about the setback. It's about the comeback. They're going to be setbacks, right? That's the subtitle of the book it's not about the setback it's about the comeback there's going to be setbacks there's going to be hinge moments are you prepared when they show up to make the most of it because you've been having these sorts of conversations you've been putting in the work show up the next day all the things that were in this conversation can help you prepare for that opportunity and then when it comes step back reflect debrief 
see how you can do it better the next time. Thanks again for joining us. Check out the book, Puke and Rally. Uh, it's, it's a cool book. It's an easy read. It's applicable. It's everything. Thanks again to Rob Bell. Jamie, appreciate you. Listeners, we appreciate you. Continue to get after it every day. Find your best. And as always, live eyes up. <laughs>